This is Melissa Ford-Lockin. Rosalie Petrowski. Susan, Seraph, and Jess. Editors for the Washington Square Review. Washington Square On Air showcases the poetry and fiction of the latest edition of LCC's literary journal, The Washington Square Review, read by the poets, authors, and editors themselves. Expect the unexpected as our contributors express experience and fantasy with humor, imagination, poetic license, irony, and passion. If you love language at its most original, please join us in our audio town square to celebrate a community of writers spanning from around the world to to Lansing. Lansing. This is Melissa Ford Locken, editor with the Washington Square Review. I'm here today with Joshua Sinel, whose piece, What You See in the Clouds, is in our latest issue. And we're happy to have you here, Joshua. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Melissa. It's fun to be here. Sure thing. So tell us a little bit about your piece. How did you come to write it? Well, you know, there's always a lot of story in a story, right? Um, That's a good question. I had not written short fiction for and I'm going to age myself here for 20 years. Um, And I had written a couple novels and sort of put them in a drawer, as is typical a lot of times. And I just really wanted, I just needed to to start going again. And I could not get going. And so a very good friend of mine who I talk to and complain to a lot about this kind of thing said, you know, why not? And it's such a, it's such a, um, kind of typical assignment, right? When you're blocked or when you're not writing, she said, why don't you just write a character sketch? Just write the character. And I thought, well, you know, come on, that's, you know, write the character, write a scene or write a memory or journal. And it just felt so off sort of target for what I wanted to do, which was to make a story. Uh, And I just sort of acquiesced and said, okay, fine, uh, very begrudgingly. And, And so it really started as a character sketch and just, Um, I think in giving myself permission not to have to architect, construct, or go into that place where you write a whole story, I was able to just start. And and so that was the process part was, you know, I had to trick myself into into writing this by continually telling myself that it was just a a character sketch and not to worry about it. But, you know, what what I found really fascinating about it, because I'd never done it that way before, is that if you really do approach it, you really want to get a character and you kind of fool yourself into thinking there's no more on you than that, at some moment, the character has a story to tell. And that's just it. I don't think you can create a character that doesn't have some story behind them. And then if you invite them to tell it, you know, it turns out they will. So that was sort of the process. It was really my re-entry into what I have loved and kind of done and been passionate about forever and literally took a 20, 25 year break from. Uh, So this was the first one back in. And and yeah, that's kind of what was going on. And a lot of it was about taking the pressure off myself and not necessarily putting it on. So you said that you uh, took a 20 year break. Are you saying (laughs) that you, you didn't really do any writing during the 20 years? Well, you know what I did? I did what I think a lot of writers do when they put it down for whatever reason is they then sort of convince themselves that whatever they're up to after that is very creative and I'm using the same muscles and I'm using. So it's fine. You know, like it's great. So I actually uh, ended up starting a bunch of businesses um, and launching businesses and being an entrepreneur and 
And I, I spent a long time then telling myself, you know, uh, this is creative enough. So the answer is no, I really didn't write much of anything. I think maybe four years ago, I decided I would write a novel um, as long as no one was watching. And, and I did that. And because it was a format that I'd never written in before, uh, when I was writing and getting short stories published, everybody would come to me, editors or agents and say, okay, great, you know, uh, now write your novel. And I was just completely paralyzed over that. Um, so, so I think that was my way in was to say, you know what, I have to be able to do this. Uh, and I, so I wrote the novel, but no, in between I launched businesses, um, and ran them. What kind of businesses? Well, I'll tell you about the last business because it's still up and running. I'm just not not really doing as much with it anymore. But uh, Storybooth, which I don't know if you've ever heard of. So Storybooth is a YouTube channel that takes real stories from kids in their own words. Um, we animate them into three-minute short animations, and we post them. And, and that was sort of – it's interesting. That business, I think, was a perfect – segue it actually was creative so after 20 years i finally got to a business that felt truly creative um and it became very very successful we have five million subscribers and we won the webby awards and the shorty awards and all of that and uh but i think that was really a great vehicle for me to to then really get back into the writing and say you know enough half steps back let we'll take a full step and so that's what that's what I was doing. And that's how I ended up, I guess, uh, getting back to it all. So what, what is it that you took the pause from? So what kind of writing were you doing 20 years earlier? Well, I went to Columbia to go get my master's from the writing division there, which um, beyond co sort of the amazing instruction you can get and the peers you can work with in the workshops and all of that, you know, it was two years to write. You know, and that I think was incredibly valuable. So I wrote short stories. That was my thing. I was young and I had a lot of early success. You know, I got published. I won awards in American fiction and uh, writers at work. And like I said, I mean, I guess I'll get personal. Why not? It's an interview. But, um, you know, and so at that inflection point where I was being very successful with my short stories at a very young age, and then being told, okay, if you would like to now take the next step and really make this into something real, uh, you know, just give me the novel and we'll sign you up and we'll do it. And, and I think it was at that moment that I just sort of froze. I mean, I was 24 years old or something. So I just froze. I said, forget it. I can't write a novel. I'm not a novelist. I think I got a little indignant. I'm a short story writer. How can you make me write a novel? And who cares what people are buying? But, um, yeah, ultimately, I used that as my sort of exit for a while. Um, yeah. Yeah, I could imagine that it would be very exciting and fulfilling to get that much recognition early on, but it could also be very intimidating, right? Yeah, and it was intimidating. <laughs> it was truly intimidating. And not in a way where um, it just, I think I created the novel as something I could, a mountain I couldn't climb, right? Or wasn't ready to. Uh, and so I think that's why getting back into it a few years ago, I, I kind of had to start with a novel, um, which I did. So, yeah. <laughs> How did that process feel? Did it? That, you know, that was interesting because I had what I, I think I had done the lazy person's approach to trying to meet these people's needs, right? Which was take a short story that everyone thought was terrific and great and try to turn it into a novel. And, 
it really was like me trying to fake it or, you know, half step it or find a shortcut. And again, so when I got to that process of really wanting to tackle that, you know, I really, again, for me, it's about giving myself permission to not really care so much how the thing turns out or whether I can do it or not. It only took me 25 years to get to that, but um, that was really it. it was really just saying, look, I don't know how to do this or I've never done it before, but I'll try. And, you know, going to, to schools and the programs, and you know this from the programs that you run and you're in, you know, it's an incredible blessing, but there's pressure in it. You know, you got to produce and everyone wants to get published and everyone wants to kind of get read and that can become a stumbling block. Right. Because um, then you're not necessarily in your creative process or your creative flow or in that zone that we want to get to. But you're writing for. For some other reason, you're writing for that payback or to meet somebody's desire to see it, you know, this way or that way. And, and I think that can really get in the way. Yeah, you can lose yourself. There's also the sad reality that a lot of times short stories work well in workshop settings, but pieces of novels don't. So yeah. when you're a novelist and you show up at workshop with 12 pages that, you know, are pulled out of 300, it's, it's not the same as 12 pages that stand on their own. That's true. And I think there was, and, and maybe there still is this orientation in the MFA programs, right? Which is, yeah, if you would like to really, get that feedback and improve your skills and you know it's it maybe it is easier to be able to write multiple short stories over the course of your work and your workshopping than it is to bring in you know 12 pages that staggered through all the other people you're working with and there's no context and you know yeah so it, some of it may really have come from that the environment encouraged that format it's also much more exciting to start new projects all the time. It's like, you know, yeah. buying different cars or different clothing yeah. outfits, right? I, today I'm this and two weeks later you're this other thing. But when you're writing yeah, a novel, it's just you with that same thing day after day. It's a personality thing, right? It's sort of like, you know, how, how easily do you get bored of your, yourself or your own activity? And short stories are perfect for short, sort of that shorter attention span. You know, I think also... And maybe this is part of what I was talking about, what can trip you up, right? The reward in the short story is sooner you know much more quickly. It was funny, I I, I wrote a poem and I could, I'll talk about that later, but you know, I'd never written poems and I'd been in the in the program with a bunch of poets and I, I can kind of recognize a great poem, but but when I do and I see it, it's just all awe and wonder. You know, it's sort of like, how in the world did this person do that? So I decided, well, let me, you know, why not? Let me see if I can do it. What was really interesting about the process, because, you know, we're all in this process of sending our work out and submittable is there. So it's super easy now. I mean, I was sending stuff out in self-addressed stamped envelopes, you know, and wait and checking the mail. Um, so it's really easy and it's really cool. One of the things about writing a poem is not only can you, I mean, maybe a, a real poet might really get mad at me for saying this, so, and I'm not one, so forgive me, but you can write a poem much more quickly than you can write a short story in a novel or a novel. And it turns out people can read a poem much more quickly than they can read a short story in a novel. So 
you know, the, the starting to write in different formats and understanding that, you know, there's a reader and there's a process and even, I'm going to say the word commercially, but even trying to get a resume together and get some publishing credits together and whatever else it is, I sent out my poem and I, and I heard the next day. And so to me, it was sort of like, well, that's fascinating. And then I kind of figured out, well, maybe not, right? Like maybe that editor over there can read it in, you know, 10 minutes and maybe give it a second read and then they know short stories and novels, you know, it's a little more complicated to know what you're looking at. Are you going to write more poems and send them out? The answer is yes, but you know, again, I am so, yeah. Cause you know, there's a poet out there who's thinking, all right, Joshua, all right, go ahead and write seven poems and see if you got all those published. Totally. And and yeah, exactly. That's why I said, I think I'm going to make a lot of actual real poets very angry at me, right? Because I had no business writing a poem and I certainly had no business getting it published. And maybe it was a fluke. And so I'll grant that to all the real poets. But the answer is, of course, yeah, I'm going to write more and see, but I want to find out too. Um, right. No one wants to be a one-hit wonder, but, you know, well, one is better than none. <laughs> well, all you've done is repeat the cycle, right? Just, like, win the first race out of the gate. <laughs> yeah, problematic. And, again, maybe we're maybe it's a personality trait, you know? I, I, you know, I love to win something, and then once I've won, I don't really feel like playing anymore. Um, I hope that's not the case because um, I'm getting back to it. Look, you know, the other thing, I, I don't know why. I, I know why. You know, if there are writers listening, right, you know, I'll describe the experience of not writing for 25 years, because in a way, that's an experience that I think a lot of artists uh, have. Right. I know that at the time that I stopped writing, I felt like it was a decision between making a living and doing my art, period. And that's a story as old as time. Right. Um and I would love to say, hey, you know, you can do both and wake up at, you know, five in the morning like Walt Whitman or something and then go deliver the mail. You know, but honestly, today in this world, like, I'm not sure how easy that is. But I will tell you what the experience of deciding to go make a living instead of making your art does to you. Well, I won't go. This is a light show. We won't say what it does to you. But what it feels like is this constant nagging feeling that you are forgetting something and you can't remember what it is. Um, and we all have those, right? I think there was something I'm supposed to remember. So it's not even a memory, right? It's the idea of remembering something. And so walk around with that feeling for 20 years, 25 years, it's really uncomfortable. And, and, and the reason it's so uncomfortable is because you know exactly what know exactly what you're forgetting and you just have no interest in confronting it. So, you know, I don't know if that's like a cautionary tale or just sort of the idea to listen, to, to do something about that, right? Don't become an expert at repressing and denying your artistic desire. And I think a lot of us have really become experts at that, right? Cause there's quote unquote, no place for it. But, um, yeah, now writing again and, and getting some pieces picked up and feeling like I can be in this community of writers and readers again, uh, and I will not walk around with regret, so I'm not going to call it regret, but feels like there's a lot of wasted time behind me. Um, I, I'm really curious to know if you feel like the writing community is different now, because 20 years ago, the internet really wasn't 
around the way it is now. And here it is. So how does the writing community feel different to you? Well, one thing I'm keenly aware of is how many outlets there are for writers to to be read. So the difference is is not incremental at all. It's just mind-blowing. So, you know, the old days you went out and you got the Writer's Digest Marketplace book and you kind of thumbed through it. You sent all your stuff to the New Yorker and the Atlantic and Paris Review. Uh, On printed pages, like you said, with an SASE. Yeah, exactly. And then you thumbed your fingers and, you know, half of them, you know, they're only going to write you back. They're not going to write you back. If they take it, they call you. You know, and so you're putting the self stamped envelope to get the form letter back. It just, you know, so it's changed. (laughs) It's changed a lot. And um, but one of the things that I find really fascinating is what I don't want to get into a political discussion. I think the sort of wokeness of the world and the the incredible sensitivity that everyone is walking around with has done an enormous amount of damage to an artist's ability to express the voices and the stories that come to them. So I have a real problem with the idea that I'm not allowed to write about something. Almost all of my stories were told from a female perspective as a female narrator, um, that almost all of them. And if not, then they were shared between a male and a female perspective to think that I wouldn't be allowed to do that now because I'm not a female or something or whatever it is that has changed a lot. And that's scary to me. Book burnings are scary to me, Uh, you know, because a book has stuff in it that isn't appropriate or doesn't fly today doesn't make it any less of a book. I mean, it makes it potentially more interesting and more of a teachable moment. So I have issues with all of that. But from a writer's perspective, what I love about what I've kind of jumped back into is uh, the communication stuff. The Internet has created an opportunity for writers to connect and for writers to share stuff. And they've created these online journals and reviews that that really allow, that can publish every day something new. So that opportunity, and it, I'm not talking about an opportunity to become a best-selling famous author, just the opportunity to do your craft and to do your art and to be with like-minded people. You used to have to go to school for that. Um, and, and now you can carry that with you, whether you go to school, after school, whatever it may be. So I think that's amazing and and sort of priceless. So I think it's worth whatever price we had to pay for it. Um, so I, I like that part. You miss going to the mailbox to see what's in there? <laughs> I, I just go to the email. I just, you know, now I just am obsessively checking my emails and, you know, checking submittable as yeah, see, but process. The, the magic of the mailbox is you really could only check it once a day. <laughs> well, that's the thing. And so you had this moment, right? Right, so, yeah, yes. that's, that's obviously changed for everything. But yeah, there was this moment. You cannot wait. You know, you're not going to wait by the computer for the email because, you know, who right. knows? Yeah I, yeah, I miss some of that. It felt, you know, look, I say this being as old as I am and coming back to it, so I get to, but everyone else gets to say, you know, give me a break, right? Which is, uh, you know, it felt a little more writerly, maybe. <laughs> I, I, but I say that with just sort of my own sense of how ridiculous that sounds. Um, <laughs> but well, I mean, there was like, there were like paper. There were people were typing on typewriters sometimes, you know, stuff like that, you know. So yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of love the new world, and I'm built for. I mean, I'm, I've done tech. So the the businesses I went and ran were all tech 
businesses. Um, so yeah, I, it sort of became my friend. One of the things my first business did is we built and designed a site for Time Warner Trade Publishing called ipublish.com. Um, this was a long time ago, but it was, um, it, I really think it was the first sort of footprint in, in what we're talking about, this new age of, of writing, which was, it was a way for anyone to sort of engage in the writing process with Time Warner Trade Publishing sitting over it and culling the best stuff and giving those people an opportunity to go further. So it was sort of saying, let's address the slush pile. Right. Let's address this. These closets that they had at Time Warner, literally libraries of submissions, which, by the way, the editors all wanted to read. And their example at that time was if we find one Nicholas Sparks in that closet, we have just paid for Time Warner Trade Publishing for the next five years or whatever it is. So they're compelled to find it. And so it was interesting to watch technology come into the space that way. Now, it was short lived. Um, because AOL, Time Warner, whatever, but it was short-lived. But I think it was the beginning of this idea of a much more open playing field, and so many more voices, um, and so many more, uh, so much more room for what's good, you know. Right. Um, less, which I really I less gatekeeping. Right, and I think that's good. I actually think that's really good. Yeah, yeah. I was really compelled by what you said regarding creativity and how when you have a creative outlet and you set it aside, you know, what you were saying about that you can tell there's something missing in your life and you're pretending that you you don't know what it is, but when you, know, in fact, do know what it is. And it's just yeah. part of, you know, who you are. And so then I was wondering, you know, you said that you wrote a novel. So you did complete a novel or you're working on one? No, I completed one and I'm into my second so as somebody who wrote shorter pieces before, I'm wondering when you got halfway through, how, how did you keep yourself there writing? Yeah, you know what's interesting? So I, that was the daunting question for me, right? That, that was before I even took the first step. That was my question. How am I going to stay engaged in this thing? Or, or you know, when, when you write short stories, I would always write a short story. I could see the end. I knew exactly how it ended, and then I would just write to the end. Um, in this one, you know, if you see the end, where do you even start then? You know, how do you know? So I had all of those questions. And, and here was the fascinating thing. You know, I used to, I wrote short stories obsessively. They would literally, if I started one, I was distracted from most things until it was done. I was hearing the characters' voices in my head. I was See, you know, it was this thing, and I just felt like there's no way either a novel, long form, could sustain that kind of pull and energy, or if it could, there's no way I could survive it, right? Um, and so what was fascinating, though, was if you just write into it, and I'm going to make it sound much simpler than I guess maybe it is, but I wrote a bunch of short stories in a weird way. It felt the same. I was compelled and pulled into it ultimately the same way. And that was the biggest surprise. Um, was the, And it took longer, right? So it took longer to get it going. And, and like I said about the character sketch, to, to get all these characters up ready to, and ready and trusting to tell their stories, that took longer. But once I got there, it pulled me in and bothered me and obsessed me in, the, in just the right ways. Um, 
So that was really it. Now, the second one, similarly, is doing the same thing. But, you know, I'm writing a second novel. Back to my other point. Maybe I shouldn't be making any of these, but I don't know. I'm hearing my dad's voice in my head. But, um, you know, my second novel is about a Muslim woman um, who's not allowed to drive and sneaks out every night in her dad's taxi and learns to race. Um, and, and I guess, you know, so... And I stopped writing it for a while because I felt like no one's going to allow this white Jewish guy to write this novel about a young Muslim girl. It's just never going to happen. Um, so that kind of stuff can get in your way, right? But here I am doing the exact thing we talked about before, which is saying it's the outcome. You know, I'm attached to the outcome. I'm attached to recognition or I'm attached to having it further my ability to define myself as a writer instead of someone who writes or, you know, whatever it may be I've set up. And all of a sudden, right, the minute I said, geez, you know, maybe no one's going to pick this up or take it seriously, or I'm just going to get death threats or something like that. And then all of a sudden, without making some intentional stop, it drifts a bit. I guess if there's advice to be given, you know, it's sort of like, don't get attached to the outcome. Don't don't get attached to that in any way. You can afterwards, sure. Go send it out, polish it, make it good, see what people think. But while you're in it, if your head goes there, you're not in it anymore. And it'll pull you right out. So yeah, so I've had interesting experiences with the novels. They, they do have an ability to pull you in and they also have this ability to sort of ease you out of it without you even knowing. What was the first novel about? It's really interesting. It's it, nothing I thought I was ever going to write. It's a ghost story. Um, yeah, it was a ghost story about a, a family who loses their mom and, and somehow this dog that they have is the only member of the family that can still stay connected to this mom. And I don't know where it came from, but has all kinds of stuff that I have no experience with. Um, yeah, and that was fun and it was good, but it felt like a first novel when I was done. You know, it sort of felt like it's not as good as I thought it was when I was writing it. And I think that's probably a good feeling to have. And there's room for improvement. But, you know, a lot of it was under my belt kind of stuff. You know, like, okay. You know, like I wrote, I wrote the end at the end. You know, and that that's one of the things that had sort of stood there like a mountain I couldn't climb, just climbed it. So that's a good feeling. And that is worth it. And um, yeah, we'll see what happens with them. For sure. I think the advice of not getting too worked up about the outcome is beautiful advice for writers, because as a writer, you don't have any control of the outcome. Correct. You know, yeah. You don't. And so that's, and that's it. And even getting, getting concerned with like best work, you know, it's interesting, you know, writers are, are jealous of our, of painters and painters are jealous of musicians and musicians are jealous of poets, you know, I mean, so we all look at, at other artists doing their thing and think, oh man, that would be so much easier. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, and none of it's easy, you know, and, but it is all about staying in it staying in it right it there is a place that you go to write from mm -hmm. and uh and, and and then the more you write and the more you practice the easier it is to go to that place and recognize it when you're there and stay there but 
Um, but it's, you know, we get enticed out of that space in process all the time. Um, and it just depends on how far we're willing to walk out of it. And that makes it harder to get back. Well said. So the, your main project right now that you're working on is the second novel. Well, I'm greatly distracted. Yes, it is the second novel. But as you mentioned, I had a little success with this poem, so I'm continuing to write poetry. But I really look at that as, uh, after all I just said, I'm going to say this, but I look at that as fun, right? That's just fun because I'm so detached from the outcome because I don't think I'm a poet. So okay. easy, right? So yeah, but the novel, the second novel I am working on uh, toward completion, you know, I entered the, there's a lot of first chapters contests and stuff, which I think are really great. I encourage everyone to just send it out. You know what I mean? Like polish it and send it. So I sent out the first chapters of this one and it made it all the way to the final finals of the James Jones um, first novel fellowship stuff. And so wherever you can get it, like it didn't win, it didn't get it, but it was in the top, you know, what, 4% or something. But I think you just take whatever you can get that becomes encouragement, that gives you a wink that says, you know, you can do this. Um, take it. Like, don't, don't skip it. Don't be humble. Don't like even just by yourself, take it because that stuff is juice and, and we have to run on it sometimes. It's such a solitary thing we do. So, yeah, so the novel, the novel is going to be finished. Yeah, All right. That's what I'm working on. So yeah. where can listeners find this famous poem? <laughs> now I'm afraid to tell people because <laughs> it's become like this. Um, it's uh, in Cathexas Northwest Press in the, uh, I guess it's in the um, June, July issue. Awesome. Yeah. So, or the May, June issue or the, it's in the most recent issue of Cathexas Northwest online. And it's fun. It's called um, Rain in Fort Valley, Virginia. All right. Well, so, thank, yeah. thank you for that. And thanks for talking with us today. Oh my God. I had such a good time, Melissa. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our talented poets and authors. Until next time, this has been Washington Square On Air. Where we showcase selections from Lansing Community College's literary journal, The Washington Square Review. A publication featuring writers in the Great Lakes State, across the nation, and around the world. To find out more about the Washington Square Review, visit lcc.edu slash WSR. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed sharing. <laughs>